0: Um, For those of you watching online, it is Communion Sunday, so if you want to grab a cracker and juice um, to be prepared for that, that would be great. Um, Who's ready to worship? Alright, well if you feel comfortable, you can stand up and we are going to sing
1: Let your glory go on and on Impossible things in your name, they shall be done Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and Your kingdom reigns unstoppable They'll shout your praise forevermore Jesus our God unstoppable Nothing shall be impossible you go
0: That you're here today. If you would grab your smartphones, um, we're gonna do our connect card. And um, there's a couple different ways you can do this. You can go to um, the North Point app, or you can text guest NCC to 94090, and that'll send you a link to fill out there, too. Um, This isn't just a way to take attendance to see who's coming to church or not. Um, This is more of a communication device that if someone were to test positive for COVID that's been at church, we can email that out to you. Um, And also on the card, there's a box to check if maybe you've um, re-dedicated your life to Jesus. We want to know about that so that we can come alongside of you to cheer you on, to encourage you, to help you grow um, in your walk with Christ. Um, so it's just a great way to communicate with you if you would fill that out. Um, also, today is communion. If you have not grabbed a juice and cracker on the tables in the back, go ahead and do that now so that you're ready for when we take part in that. Um, lastly, we have offering. Um, a few different ways you can do this, too. You can give through the North Point app. Um, you can text Give to 77977. Or if you brought cash or check with you, you can drop that off in the boxes on your way out today. Um, It's funny because I love to tell stories. And so I was trying to think of something that I could um, share with you guys with what I'm announcing today. And so this week I said, Lord, what is it that you'd want me to share? And almost immediately what popped into my head was the widow's offering. So I was like, All right, I'll share that. So um, I want to read it to you and then talk to you about it. It's in Luke 21. Uh, These are Jesus' words. He says, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. All she had. It's interesting to me because... I grew up in church my whole life, so I've heard this story many, many times. In fact, when I was a kid, it was titled The Widow's Mite, which as a child, I was like, why is she giving away bedbugs? But um, thank goodness I've spiritually matured, and so we're talking about coins and money here. Um, But this is a great passage to slip into any sermon on offering or giving, right? Except when I read it this time, what I got out of it is that she put in all she had. All. She was all in for Jesus. And then I had to ask myself, Hope, are you all in for Jesus? Sometimes. Because when we think about giving, we think money, right? But if we want to be all in for him, that has to flow into every area of our life. So my challenge for you today is to ask yourself, does Jesus have my whole heart? And am I... All in for him.
2: Because my mom lives in Cincinnati, so I need people that are going to come alongside and help me, man. And there's truthfully nothing that's going to stop us from being able to worship together as the body, whether it's online, whether it's together. People all over the world today are worshiping Jesus. And that is an incredible thing because that is something that COVID cannot stop, right? No matter where we are, no matter how we're worshiping, COVID cannot stop that, man. It has been incredible to get response from people as we've got these stickers. If you're interested in those, check those out at our hub. Uh, We're selling those for cheap out there. We've got uh, t-shirts and things like that, man, because that is such an important thing to remember. There are a lot of things COVID can do in our life. Stopping the love of Jesus is not one of them. And that's something we're learning throughout this entire process together. And that's kind of why we're talking today is we're talking through this idea of what I'm Learning. We've got this whole series and hopefully you followed along with us these past couple weeks. Uh, Chris spoke a couple weeks ago. Uh, Phil Beavers was with us from Great Lakes Christian College last week. Check those out online or the app if you missed it. But we're discussing these ideas of what I'm learning. This is a unique series in that what ties every week together is this idea that all of us are still learning. We're still growing. We're still getting together. We're still getting better. And a little bit of this series of speakers uh, is intimidating because there's some vulnerability that comes out when we come up here, right? Because we're coming to you guys and saying, hey, we haven't figured it all out. Like, we are still learning. We are still growing. We are still working on some stuff. And some of the stuff that we talk about, like, you're going to hear it and be like, yeah. You're a moron, Jake. I already knew that, right? And that's okay. Like, you guys have learned lessons and things. Tip of the hat to you. We're proud for you. It's always good to get reminders. But I think today, and I think most of what we talk about, uh, man, there's some stuff that all of us are still learning. These are things that we're all still growing together in. And so what we talk about every single week is really an experience of how Jesus is continuing to grow us in areas of our life and where we just need Some growth. And today is no different. Today I'm gonna share with you one of my, uh, works in progress. There's multiple areas I'm working on. This is one of my works in progress. And today we're gonna talk about the manliest thing in the entire world. Yeah, I'm talking like more manly than Chuck Norris driving a monster truck over the Grand Canyon, okay? This is more manly than Peyton Manning making a T-bone steak on top of a bass fishing boat. This is more manly than Ron Swanson wrestling a bear in a ring of fire. Today, we are talking about emotions. Yeah, manly, right? Yeah, see, here's the thing. I recognize that this morning, whether you're watching online or you joined us in person, uh, if you're a guy, you woke up and said, man, I hope when we worship together, man, that we just get to talk about our feelings, right? Every guy woke up and said that, right? No! No! Not a single guy woke up this morning and had a single thought about emotions today, okay? So we're talking about this, and really, uh, as I knew speaking was coming up and I felt like this is what God wanted me to talk on. I kept going, no, 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 thank you, Lord. Pass. Next, right? I don't really want to do that. Am I really going to stand up on stage uh, in front of an audience of half guys and say, hey, let's talk about emotions and watch all of them get up and leave? Like, come on, that's humiliating. And so I talked to people and said, hey, uh, I don't know how to keep guys' attention on this. Like, what am I I'm going to say emotions? And they're going to go, cool, BassPro.com. Like, they're going to tune out. What do I do? What do I do? And so I asked my wife. I said, honey, how do I keep guys, like... But part of this, and God bless her, she's so stinking smart, she looked at me and said, it's easy, just add bacon, right? Like, that's it. So we threw some bacon up on the slide at my wife's suggestion. Here's the thing, you know you married the right woman when her solution to all of your problems is just add bacon, right? Incredible. So smart. So So let's be honest, guys. Uh, We really have no idea what to do with this topic. We have no idea what to do with emotions. When it comes to emotions, we throw in the five D's of dodgeball, right? Dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge again, right? Like, we don't even want to deal with it. We just kind of push them to the side. If I were to bring most guys up here and I was to interview you and just kind of go through some emotions together, it would probably go like this. I would say, hey, Todd, uh, tell me about joy. And you'd say, joy, yeah, I smiled one time. It was all right. It was good. Yeah, it was fine. Right? It was Okay. How about sorrow? Yeah, yeah, no, my eyes have sweat before. I understand what that's like, right? We talk about that, or we go through fear, and you fear, never heard of her. No idea. No idea what fear is at all, right? Uh, we talk about disgust. Yes, I've been a Lions fan my entire life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just have football, please, right? All right? So here's the thing. Then we talk about anger, and every guy would go, oh, yeah, no, I know that one. <laughs> Me and anger, we go way, way back, right? So let's be honest. We all have emotions, we have emotions, and at some point in time, whether it was sorrow, whether it was joy, whether it was anger, fear, disgust, whatever you want to call it, those feelings have gotten a hold of us at some point in time. And they have caused us to do something stupid. <laughs> we have let our emotions get in control of us, and they've caused us to do something stupid. That emotions has either controlled our lives... Either by dictating what we do as a result of them, or they've controlled us because we've just kind of pushed them to the side and we've dodged them all together. But we don't have to be controlled by our emotions or avoid our emotions. They have always been a natural part of who you and I are. It's part of us. It's part of how God created us. In fact, we know from the beginning of Genesis that we were created in God's image. That when he made mankind, he said, broom, Adam, broom. Eve, wow, they look really cool. I'm going to put part of me in them. They will be my image bearers. And in part of that, God created mankind to have reactions to things. Now, this isn't good. This isn't good or a bad thing. This is just a thing. This is just natural. This is how it was. Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So what this means is that you... Your spouse, the person sitting in front of you, the person sitting behind you, that moron that you work with, right? Your kids, your mother-in-law, all of these people are image bearers of God. He put a piece of himself inside of all of us, and a part of that includes emotions. And we know that because as image bearers of God, we recognize that God has emotions. Maybe you never thought of that before. Like, God actually has emotions. I'm going to prove it to you here. Uh, we can read several scriptures here this morning. Psalm 7, uh, chapter, or chapter 7, verse 11 says, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. Each and every single day, God gets mad at the unrighteousness that exists in the world. It's kind of comforting to know that God gets mad every day. I'm not the only one. Whew, all right, good to know. Uh, 1 Kings eleven nine, And the Lord was angry with Solomon. Because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Not once, but twice. And Solomon, if i got to come down there a third time, right? Like, we get that. How about sorrow? Uh, John eleven thirty five 35, shortest verse in the entire Bible, talks about Jesus, the God-man. 100% God, 100% man. Put together in one being. Right here, the God-man. It says Jesus wept. God, in human form, wept. Psalm chapter 4, verse 7, you have put... More. Oh no, I'm sorry. Genesis six six says the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. God understands what grief is like. I mean, that is encouraging. (laughs) I got moments of grief in my life. To know that God knows what grief feels like, thank you, Lord. Right about joy? John fifteen eleven. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be. Full. When we get God's joy is so big and so good, man, he just wants to pour it out on us and fill us up with it because it is so good. Psalm 4-7, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. God's joy is better than good food and good drink. Man, it is incredible. Here's the thing, it is not wrong to have an emotional reaction when things occur in our life. It is not wrong to have an emotional reaction when things occur in our life. It's natural. God has emotions. God has reactions. He put a part of that into us that we would do and experience the same kind of stuff. Everybody experiences an emotional reaction when things occur. I was reading a story online. A guy was sharing about his daughter uh, from months ago when they were back in the office, and he said it was take your daughter to work day. And I, I built all this up, and I told her about it. And, man, she was so excited to see where Daddy worked and to see all that Daddy does and really to see Daddy's coworkers. And so uh, they got dressed in the morning. She put on her best dress. They drove in. They got in the office, and she walked in there as happy as could be. And, and she saw all the cubicles, and she saw all the computers, and she saw all of his coworkers, and immediately she began to cry. Just sobbing, so upset. And he said, sweetheart, what's wrong? And all the coworkers came around and they said, sweetie, are you okay? What can I do? Why are you crying? Why are you so upset? And in the midst of all of her tears, she said, daddy, where are all the clowns you said you
1: work with?
3: <laughs>
2: one instance, we've got disappointment, we've got anger, and we've got embarrassment. All valid emotions from one situation, right? All of that occurs. It is normal to have emotions. It was placed inside of us to have. You do not have to feel bad about experiencing something. You don't have to push it away. But rather, it is how we handle those emotions and those reactions that say something inside of us. James 1.20 says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There's some good news in here because when I read that, it tells me there is such a thing as righteous anger that it is actually okay to be angry. Whew, thank you. (laughs) The righteousness of anger, there is something about it. There's righteous anger that God is angry when he sees things that are not the way they should be, not the way that he created. When he sees the pain in the world, God feels righteous anger. So good news, there is righteous anger. Bad news, we are really bad at it. Really, really bad at it. How do you know that, Jake? Facebook and Twitter, right? Because even when I get on there and somebody posts righteous anger, right? Like they post something that I'm like, yeah, no, that's righteous anger. They should be upset about that. I click the comment section and I'm like, ooh, bad anger, bad anger, bad anger, bad anger, bad anger, right? We see it everywhere, but there is such a thing as righteous anger. We're just really, really bad at it at times. In fact, Ephesians 426 says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And there are times in your life you should just say, oh, I'm angry. Yeah, yeah, no, that's okay. That's all right. Just don't go do something dumb because of it. Don't let that anger control you. In fact, it says don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, man, do not let your anger consume you. Deal with it. It shouldn't ruin your day. It shouldn't ruin your life. It shouldn't dictate who you are, what kind of person you are. Be angry. It's okay. There are things that make us angry in life. There's righteous anger in life, but do not let anger control who you are. There's other emotions. In 2 Corinthians 7.10 said, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. There are things in life, man, that should cause us sorrow in this world. When we look at it, we see injustice, when we see pain, when we see abuse, when we see neglect, when we see hatred. man, all of it, all of it should hurt us when we see them. We should be grieved inside when we see them. And even worse, when we do them, we should feel that. When there's abuse in my life, when there's neglect, when I cause pain in my life to someone else, it should impact me. I should feel sorrow. A sorrow that moves me to change. That when I say, man, I I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that anymore. And when we see somebody else that causes that neglect or that pain or that injustice in the world, we should say, man, that, that grieves me. That hurts me. That that exists. I need to make change there. I need to interject myself to make change in places that cause sorrow. Sorrow is a real thing. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. I love this verse when it talks about emotions. I I think this is a powerful verse because it tells us, hey, it is okay to have a mountaintop experience. You get a new job. You get a raise. Your child is born. The lion's win a suit. Never mind. All these things happen, right? right? Rejoice. Throw a party. Celebrate. Dance. Shout. Be excited. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Let it be infectious. Am I allowed to say infectious? I don't know. That's weird, right? Let it be, let it spread. I don't know what to say. Let it go wild, right? That's okay. Celebrate and weep with those who, who weep. And it's okay to feel like you've been buried beneath the earth. It's okay to have a harsh valley in your life, too. Cry. Go yell in your car. Go sit quietly for a while if you need. Experience sorrow. It was created for you to experience. And when we see others who are experiencing sorrow, man, feel sorrow with them. Weep with those who weep. When people in your life are going through pain, they don't need answers right away. They need to weep. And they need you to come alongside and just weep with them. Or scream in that car, or whatever it looks like. In fact, Paul even says uh, that this is natural. And even in the context of his letter to the Romans here, he is pointing out to us that actually being able to understand our emotions and control our emotions and express our emotions in a proper way, man, that's, that's a sign of being a Christ follower in a lot of ways, that it shows maturity. And faith. It shows maturity and growth in who we are by being able to express that. It's not some weakness to have emotions. No, the weakness is not understanding what to do with those emotions. Knowing what to do with it, man, that shows great maturity that you can have. Because here's the kicker. If you miss everything else that I said today, grab this. Our emotions are gauges, not a guide. Our emotions are a gauge. And not a guide. In other words, they can tell you what fuel you're running on, but they cannot be the fuel that moves you. Simply put this way, your emotions should not dictate your actions. They are not a guide in your life, but rather they reveal something inside of you. They're a gauge. And a lot of times we really have to dig in and search for the reason behind the reason that we have that emotion or we have that feeling. So the question is, why do you feel the way that you feel when something occurs in your life? What's the reason behind the reason? Why are you mad? Why is it that when your coworker does that thing, it just fires you up? Why is it that you're afraid? What is it about money being tight right now that, man, it just scares you? Or why are you happy? What is it in this moment or this situation that, man, you can just experience joy in it? Why are you appreciated? Why do you feel pride when your wife says that one thing about you? Or why are you hurt? Why does the fact that your friend didn't follow through just wound you so much? How about confident? Why are you confident? Why are you at ease in a situation where when you look around, it seems like everybody else is panicking around you? Why are you grateful? What about receiving that gift just cause thankfulness to well up inside of you? Or why are you let down? Why do those people or that thing not meeting your expectation just cause sorrow inside of you? Because the thing is, what you feel, your emotions reveal what you value and where your hope is. Your emotions reveal what you value. And where your hope is, they're engaged. When we feel angry or sad or joy or disgust or fear or a variation of those things, because they can come in many different shapes and sizes and titles and names, but when we feel them, it's usually because something inside of us is either unsettled or has settled in. When we feel these emotions, it's because something inside of us is unsettled or settled in. When we feel angry, maybe because something has threatened Something about us, or we, we feel afraid because we don't feel secure in or about something anymore, or we feel disgust because we recognize that something is just not the way it was supposed to be, or we feel sorrow because a value has been lost, or we feel joy because a value has been added. And have emotions, feel, experience all the highs, all the lows. Everything that was pushed into you, everything that was created to you, a piece of your creator that took his emotions and he placed them inside of you, Use them, feel them. They have a purpose. They tell us what is inside of us and they reveal to you and me what are the things that we value. What they reveal can be that we value something good or they can reveal that our values are out of sync with where they should be. They gauge where we are, and our emotions reveal to us what we value, and we can use that revelation, we can use that gauge to then in turn make a really positive reaction to those that we love, a positive reaction in the world, or we can use it in a negative manner. How we learn to react from what our emotions have revealed matters. So how do we react well? how do we take this idea of identifying that we have feelings and how do we react well with them i think peter tells us some great advice here in first peter 5 uh, 6 through 10 he says this he says humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of god so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you be sober minded be watchful your adversary the devil I think Peter gives some great advice here. And I just want to give some tips that I think would be incredibly helpful for how we can react well when emotions well up inside of us. And I think the first thing that we can do is we can name it. We can name it. Peter said to be sober-minded. In other words, man, when emotions come inside of you, whatever it may be, whatever you're feeling, man, put a title to what you are feeling. Because when you name it as anger or when you name it as sorrow or frustration or jealousy or pain, you begin to move from having it as a guide in your life to a gauge in your life. You begin to control it instead of allowing that emotion to control you. So start off by just naming it. Whatever you're experiencing, just call it out for what it is. And then once you've done that, man, bring it. Bring it. Peter said, humble yourselves and cast your anxieties on God. Man, God created you with emotions that He also has. Who better to guide you through how to handle these things than the person who created and has experienced these things and designed for them to be inside of you? Man, in everything we do, and especially with our emotions, include God on your journey and just tell him. Tell him what you're experiencing. Just tell him what you're feeling. He knows, but man, telling him, bring him to be a part of your journey. So name it, bring it, and then recognize there are going to come times when you have to fight it. When you have to fight it. Peter told us to resist the adversary. Here's what we have to recognize. There are times that Satan knows your buttons. He whispered them to your teenager as well. But Satan knows your buttons. And he knows how to push each and every single one of them. He knows if you struggle with anger. He knows if you struggle with jealousy. He knows if you struggle with fear or pride or whatever it may be. And his goal in all of this is to devour you. It's not to help you. It's not to guide you. It's not good advice. It's to destroy you. And he's not going to let a single opportunity go by to use your emotions to bring you down. So recognize there will be times that you are in a fight. So name it, bring it, fight it, and then unite it. And what I mean by that, uh, Peter says that all of this has been experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world and that God will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You're not the only one who struggles. Doesn't that feel good to know? You're not the only one who struggles. Everyone around you, everywhere goes through some sort of battle with emotions. Recognize that you have people in your life who will help you. This is why we push life groups so hard. You need people. Life is better together. We think life groups are the best way to do it. Why? Because you can get plugged in with a group of people who are going to help you, who are going to talk to you. So you need to be in a life group, and you need to be open in your life group. You need to express, hey, man, I'm dealing with this. I'm angry all the time, or I'm just carrying a burden I don't know how to get rid of. You need to have people in your life that are going to come alongside of you and guide you and help you and pour into you and love you and rejoice with you and weep with you when you need it. And we need a God who is working to grow us through all of this. So get help, advice, and a plan before you are in that emotional moment. Because if you're like me, you've experienced emotions that have gotten a hold of you before, and, and you don't know what to do. You're seeing blue, you're seeing red, you're seeing whatever it may be, and it's just you're captive in this moment, and you, you can't fix it in that moment. When emotions grab you, you can't, you can't fix it in that moment. You got to prepare ahead of time. You need people in your life that you can come to and say, "Man, I am just angry all the time. And the little things are setting me off. And man, when I'm talking with my wife or my kid does this or I'm at my job and I just get so mad." And you need people that are going to talk you through and say, "Hey, have you named it?" <laughs> Have you recognized that? What can you do when these triggers happen, when these emotions begin to get a hold of you? And you've got to make a plan ahead of time because it is near impossible to respond well with an emotion when you are in the struggle of that moment. Connect with people that are going to help you instead to prepare for the moment. So name it, bring it, fight it, unite it. And then when you're able to do all of those things, you can begin to use it. Use it. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So here's the kicker. When we grow to the point that our emotions are used as a gauge in our life, and we begin to learn how to respond well, we can actually use them to strengthen our faith and in turn actually make wise decisions. Doesn't that sound nice? Like You don't have to be captive to the moment anymore. You don't have to be consumed or taken over with that feeling anymore. You can grow and get better and learn and avoid the same emotional missteps that we make again and again and again. And you can respond well and avoid that pain and maybe even begin to repair a broken relationship. Why does this matter? Why are we actually taking time to talk about emotions today? Well, for me it matters because of my daughter. I have this amazing, squirrely little, almost twenty-month-year-old toddler. And she is my world right now. And there are so many times that when Daddy has to take away the set of knives out of her hands because she doesn't know how to deal with knives, that she gets angry and I pick her up and she digs her little talons into my cheeks, right, because she doesn't know what to do and she's just mad in that moment and i got to pluck her off and put Band-Aids on. And then I put her down and I say, Addie, Addie, you're angry. You're angry right now. And she just, Ugh. And we help her to name it. And we tell her what you can do. and You can you can, you can can relax. You can sit down. You can do something else. You can stomp your feet. You want to yell? You want to yell? Daddy, let's yell together right now. And I'm trying desperately to teach my daughter how to handle her emotions and how to deal with her emotions. And so we name it and we talk through it. But what I recognize more importantly than all of those little moments and all the other moments in life, when she's going to watch me deal with my emotions. Why does it matter? It matters for my daughter. Because she's watching me. And everything I do. And she's going to recognize how to deal with sorrow and anger and joy and frustrations by how daddy deals with those things. And so it matters because my daughter is watching. But I think it also matters for all of us. It matters for us as a church because everybody is watching. Because I'm trying desperately to share my Jesus story with as many people as I can, and I'm trying to have conversations, and I'm trying to be loving and I'm trying to talk to people and I'm trying to live it out. But the reality is there are a lot of skepticism right now about the church. There's a lot of skepticism about Christians. And so they are watching everything we do. John 13:35 says, "By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love." For one another, man, I have to love other people like Jesus loves other people, and that is a, a ton of love and a ton of forgiveness and a ton of control when I'm able to, to understand my emotions, when I'm able to use my emotions as a gauge instead of a guide in my life man i'm better I can love other people better they 'll see something different in me they 'll be more open to conversations we can have because they will recognize the difference. That is there. And man, if we can get a hold of that, if we can recognize that God put these emotions inside of us and it's a good thing to have and then we can use those emotions to be a gauge and not use those emotions as a guide, man, then I can become, you can become a better dad. You can become a better husband. You can become a better friend. You can become a better coworker. And when you get better, your family gets better. Your community gets better. And realistically, man, in those moments, God is glorified. Matthew 5, 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And when our reactions are done well, then people notice. And God is glorified. Because we bear His image, and we represent His name. Use your emotions as a gauge, not a guide. Father God, let's, let's just pray, Father God, you are so good. And God, it is so reassuring to know that you man, you put emotions inside of us. You want us to use them. you want us to experience, rejoice and weep and be angry. Father, you put that inside of us, Lord, because you had a plan for it. God, may we learn to use these experiences, Father, to God, gu- to, to, to gauge what's inside of us. May we learn to control it instead of being controlled, Lord. And, and as a result, man, may we grow to be better, better spouses, better parents, better friends, better workers. And may we use that, Father, to impact this world with Your grace, Your love, and most of all, Your Jesus. In his name we pray.
1: Amen.
4: Good morning, North Point. We're going to move into a time of communion for the Lord's Supper. And if you're listening at home, now's the opportunity. If you haven't already got your juice and crackers, you can pause the video and go get it. You know, Jesus started communion the night before, the night of his arrest. His disciples' lives were about to be turned upside down. For three days, they were going to doubt everything they believed. And then they were going to have extreme joy, followed by a mission that looked impossible. Sounds a lot like what we're going through right now. Maybe COVID has turned your life upside down. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe it's brought things into your life that you just didn't want to happen. The Lord's Supper is a time to remember that God is in control and that God loves you. It's also a time for you to remember these things if what blew up your life was your own decisions. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty good at doing that. The same thing still implies. God is in control and God loves you. So, if you have one of these, feel free to take it out. We're going to spend time quietly reflecting on the fact that God loves us. If you don't have one and you need to get to the back, there's still time to get to the back and grab one. What I want you to do is the first tab, you open up and you find the bread, His body broken for you. The second tab is the juice, His blood, given for you. So spend some time remembering, regardless of where you're at right now, that God is in control and that God loves you.
1: Shadow you won't light up, mountain you
3: to say. for us on the cross you gave everything you gave your life and you give us your love lord we praise you and we thank you this morning i pray that you have a great week in the lord go and we will see you next sunday